We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Monday, week two of the NBA season edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. We're sponsored, as always, by WinBet. Check out winbet.com. That's win, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T.com. I'm Nick Whalen, joined, as I will be on most Mondays throughout this NBA season, uh, by James Anderson. Uh, James, we we, we kind of want to deliberately avoid the like hot takey reaction pods, you know, six days into the regular season when, when a handful of teams have only played two games. Uh, some have played as many as three. We, we don't have a great sample size, um, but we'll, we'll break down some of the teams that have looked maybe better than expected early on. Some of the teams that have looked maybe even worse than expected, looking at you, 0-3 Pelicans. Um, but I want to start with more, more of an individual fantasy question. And it's never too early to have overreactions to your own fantasy teams. Like I was, I was sweating out multiple like head-to-head league matchups throughout the weekend. I'm sure you were doing the same in some of your leagues. Are there players who already come to mind uh, as guys you, you you look back and say, like, why was I targeting this guy? Or conversely, why didn't I target this guy more aggressively? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a I'll start with like a negative one. Um, I don't like I don't think I was wrong to target him, but through two games, I wish I didn't target him. And that's Michael Porter. Um, it's just, I, I'm very confused as to why he's only averaging 10 field goal attempts per game. Like, I, like, I just thought it was going to be a super, uh, prime situation for him to at least average, you know, like 25 points a game. Um, you know, who knows what else you're going to get, uh, with the rebounds and points and three pointers, uh, from, from Michael Porter. But, um, like he just has kind of been a you know, a role player essentially in their offense uh, through two games. And again, it's only two games. He's extremely talented. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, there'll be better days ahead, but I regret taking him where I did take him. Um, just kind of seeing what his role in the offense, like, you know, I thought it would basically be Nikola Jokic has another MVP caliber season and Michael Porter has like an all-star caliber season and then everyone else on the team is just an extreme role player but it kind of looks more like Nikola Jokic is going to have another MVP caliber season and then everyone else is a role player like there there doesn't seem to really be a second fiddle yeah the Porter thing has been very weird um you know opening night it, you know, they 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 kind of had a weird game against Phoenix where they fall behind big early and then end up winning that game pretty comfortably and he has 15 six and five with two steals you know you can live with that uh, but the next game against San Antonio, I mean, only played 27 minutes, only had seven points, one rebound uh, in that one. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be ready to jump off of Michael Porter just yet, but it is very strange for a guy who is so clearly 
like set in this like potential breakout role with no Jamal Murray and, and knowing what we know about Michael Porter, it's like, it's, it's not a guy who in general needs to like ease into things. Like I, th- I thought he would be coming out and taking like 25 field goal attempts per game. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't watch uh, a ton of that Spurs game, but it sounded like he just wasn't um, really able to do anything other than just kind of catch and shoot. And yeah. that was with like, Doug McDermott on him. Um, and I mean, he does, he's not a guy where you're like, oh yeah, he's got a crazy handle. He's this super explosive athlete in, in like, you know, a one-on-one situation, but you'd still like him to have something in his bag besides just the, the catch and shoot. Right. Right. I, I feel kind of the same way about SGA and, and he played pretty well uh, in, in their game last night against Philadelphia uh, finished with 29 and eight with, with six rebounds in 39 minutes. But those first two games were a little bit shaky. And I, my fear is that like, they're going to be so bad. The thunder that they're, 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 they're just games where, you know, you're down 35, like in the third quarter and mm-hmm. you know, he's not playing a full complement of minutes. Like that happened against the Houston Rockets on Friday. He played 26 minutes in a game where they just got blown off the floor by a team. That's probably going to get blown off the floor by like 25 other teams throughout the season like that that one really worried me Uh, like I expect them to get blown out by Utah I expect them to get blown out by Philly you know if you can't even compete with the Houston Rockets um, I I just have my questions as to to, like how bad this Thunder team is going to be not that we expect them to be good but I think they might be like their floor might be even lower than we thought it could be yeah I didn't I didn't end up with SGA anywhere Uh, I I did kind of want him but not at where you had to kind of take him Um, yeah I mean I I'm, I'm feeling okay about not having him anywhere. I took him over LeBron in my NFBKC league. And I mean, you know, the kind of fortitude that that takes for me to do something <laughs> that dramatic. And it, it's not looking like it's going to be a great idea. I mean, obviously I, I think you're, you know, I'll save on like free throw percentage, but ultimately I think that's going to be about it. Like LeBron is just chucking up threes left and right. He's making a decent chunk of them so far. Um, you know, they had that disaster game against Phoenix, which I think everybody in the world who's watched this Lakers team could kind of saw that one coming. Um, I don't know if you watched last night, but Melo essentially bailed them out of that game against Memphis. But I think LeBron's look really good. Um, you know, not surprising, obviously you, you, with him at this point, you're kind of waiting for a potential injury because it's happened two of the last three years, but I certainly regret not taking LeBron uh, over SGA in that league. I also regret not being a little more aggressive with Julius Randle, who looks very much like last year's Julius Randle so far. And I think part of it was I just didn't want to believe that that was actually him. You know, it felt like everything aligned last year and it was like the perfect season for him in a number of ways. You know, barely missed any time. Everybody else was missing time. Um, dramatically increases like all of his you know categories. And it looks like that's kind of here to stay. And I, I was concerned that, you know, the Knicks are even deeper than they were last year. But it still like, it looks like it's going to be the Randall show. And it's more so like this glut of guards who are going to suffer as opposed to Randall. Yeah, I, I'll join you there. I mean, I it's it's definitely early, but I thought it was going to be more of a a spread out like attack from them this year, especially with Kemba. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it sounds or it looks through three games like I was definitely too low on Randall. Uh, but the, the my biggest regret is not I, I got John Morant in the the Vegas league where we drafted by the pool. Um, But that's, that's the only one of my eight leagues where I got John Morant. And I uh, really regret that just because he's so much fun. And like, I mean, it kind of looks like maybe he's going to establish himself as one of the, I don't know, 12 best players in the league this year. Like he's just, seems like he's kind of in that tier of guys that can just carry their team night in night out and to only have him in one league it's 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 nice that i at least got him somewhere but uh, i think you know if you redrafted today i think john morant would probably go um you know maybe even ahead of a guy like sga i the three games that he's logged this season i i would say you know without like combing through his 2020 game logs like those three would be those would all be in his like top 10 games of last year right because he, he went through a stretch kind of like after he came back from that early season ankle injury there's a good 20 or 30 games where he was he was kind of struggling you know he went a long time without even having like a 20 point game 
and then picked it up at the end of the year. But like he has looked dramatically better. And and this is how we looked in the preseason. We were kind of unsure how much that would translate. Uh, but the aggression is way up. I mean, he took seven threes in each of the last two games, hit five of them last night against the Lakers, got to the line 11 times in that game. I, I still do wonder like long-term, you know, what is his like value going to be relative to fantasy value? Because I think even the last two years, he's been a lot more valuable in real life than he has in fantasy. But if he's taking five to seven threes a game and getting to the line a bunch and shooting 80%, um, and he's you know always been a pretty effective and efficient scorer for his size. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's a guy that you kind of, it's similar to SGA, but I think even more dramatically, I think he kind of had to reach for Morant in a lot of drafts because he's a popular player and he was a popular breakout guy. And normally I'm not really willing to do that, um, but it looks like it's going to pay off so far. I mean, 40, 10, three steals last night against the Lakers. I, yeah, I've, I've been exceedingly impressed with Morant. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. The Grizzlies overall have been a lot of fun, by the way. I mean, they they probably should be 3-0. and There were some, some questionable calls at the end of that Lakers game that very easily could have gone the other way. And I know before the, before the season, you were somewhat backtracking on on that early like midsummer prediction that you know this team would maybe take a slight step back and, and try to you know add another piece or or do something to you know kind of build this roster for the future as a, as opposed to to playing for another seven or an eight seed in the west this year yeah yeah i mean i i would like to walk that all the way back if i didn't if i didn't do that um fully yeah, I, I think you walked it back like 80 percent. i i mean you know that I they seemed like the very very clear like ninth best team in the conference heading into the year, but I think now, you know, I think they might have a have a shot at finishing top eight, top seven, something like that in the West. Uh, obviously, like a, a talent downgrade from Valanciunas to Stephen Adams, but it might have been a fit upgrade, and it might have kind of unlocked. Um, this sort of just everything being focused around John Morant, whereas like last year, Valanciunas was was sort of an offensive hub at times. And like in last night's game, uh, John Morant was plus nine in 37 minutes and they lost by three. So um, they basically were the better team when the starters were out there and their, their bench kind of let them down. But um, I've also just been really impressed from Desmond Bain uh I'm happy to have him in a few places but I mean he just he's a really nice compliment to to Morant uh at the two and um yeah I mean I think they just have a a roster where all the pieces fit pretty nicely and um you know if John Morant is only like the 30th best player or 25th best player in the league this is probably like a 500 team at best but if Morant can like jump and become like most improved player and like be a top 15 player in the league uh then all of a sudden they have a different ceiling as a team right yeah I, I have Melton and Bain in in our staff keeper league which, which has been very nice not having to choose between one or the other and obviously when Dylan Brooks comes back I think at least one of those guys probably Melton takes a step back but I mean Desmond Bain looks very much like the real deal and and I, I thought it was a little 
uh, surprising, I guess, that, that he was starting over Kyle Anderson in the preseason and to begin this season, but it's pretty obvious why. I mean, Kyle Anderson's a nice player, but I, I think upside-wise on both ends, Bain offers a lot more. Um, how, how much do you have of LaMelo this year? Uh, I've got him at about, like, one-third of my leagues. I mean, he's he's a tough guy to have everywhere, you know? Like, you, you really have to kind of pay up to get him, but... Um, Got him in two keeper leagues, and then actually all three of the leagues I have him in are keeper leagues, so that's that's nice. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean he's he's kind of right there with. I mean he's he's much more of a fantasy guy than John Morant, just in terms of like if he hits his ceiling, like he's really contributing uh, everywhere you, you could possibly want. But uh, I mean he his three point shot so far this year, uh, like he's he's pretty deadly out there and. Mm-hmm. If you get a if you get a respect Lamelo's three point shot, then you're kind of toast because if you get up on him, then he's just gonna go go right by you. He is the sixth ranked player right now, um, and again, you know, we're talking very small sample size. Uh, his, his brother Lonzo is one spot ahead. He he's been awesome on the defensive end more than anything, but Lamelo has yet to even play 30 minutes in any of these three games so far. Um, I mean, 31, nine, and seven with seven threes and two steals on opening night against Indiana um, and the Hornets have kind of cruised in each of these last two games. He sat out most of the fourth quarter in favor of Ish Smith and they, they still beat Brooklyn uh, by 16 points yesterday. Um, I, I, I'm hesitant to go too far in on, on the Hornets because I, I feel like there's, there's a chance that this is an early season mirage, but I think this is probably the most fun team to watch so far. And that's not too surprising considering the personnel led by LaMelo, but you have him, you have Miles Bridges, who's been a top 15 player. So far, he's played 30-plus minutes in all three games. Uh, P.J. Washington kind of seems to be the odd man out so far. Hasn't really done much at all. They're starting Mason Plumlee. Um, I, at, the, at the same time, I'm very much hoping that this Hornets team is in that, like, maybe as high as five, but probably in that, like, six to nine range for most of the year. And and one weekend, I mean, with wins over Brooklyn and Indiana, I mean, two two decent teams, the other wins over Cleveland, that doesn't mean that much. Um, but I, I think this team is very much positioned to – to be in that play-in battle throughout the season at the very least. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely here for the Miles Bridges breakout campaign. Uh, that, like, him and LaMelo together is just such a perfect pairing. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they're building something pretty impressive there. Uh, they, they might need, like, a third piece long-term, uh, maybe a, a guy who's a, a little bit better than Bridges if they really want to emerge as like a, a title contender in like four or five years. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they got enough right now to like, it, they, they kind of look like they're going to be a top 10 offense. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it, they just, they play so fast um, defensively, you know, they're not that impressive, but um, you know, like the, the team they played, like Brooklyn, Brooklyn's defense to me is just a a massive problem <laughs> right now. Like, they've they've looked like extremely shaky so far, right? I mean, yeah. Opening I mean, night against like, the Bucks aside, like I mean, I think that that loss it was okay. Um, it was acceptable given how well Milwaukee played, but I mean, getting blown out at home by the Hornets. Like this is this is the worst I've ever seen James Harden look defensively or or offensively, but I mean, yeah. uh, just focusing on the defense, like. Harden and LaMarcus Aldridge are just massive, massive defensive negatives right now. And like Patty Mills is getting blown by, but I mean, you expect that, but um, they just, this is part of why I I think people are just a little too carried away. Even before all the Kyrie stuff, like this just wasn't a team that was going to defend at anywhere near a like top 20 level, even during the regular season, they just, they aren't really built that way. So you're just kind of hoping they can flip a switch when the playoffs roll around. But when you're just going to defend this poorly during the regular season, you leave yourself vulnerable to those types of games. This team, you, you take Kyrie away and all of a sudden, like there's very, very little depth. Like I was, I watched that whole game against Milwaukee on opening night. And like, especially if Harden or Durant is off the floor, like I, I think this roster like seemed a lot better on paper. You know, there are still a lot of people that said like Kyrie could not play a game for this team and the Nets are still the favorite for me coming out of the East. And, and I guess I understand that logic because we, we saw them almost beat Milwaukee with Durant and like half of Harden or half of Kyrie in that series. But like Javon Carter is playing an alarming number of minutes for this team. And, and Patty Mills is going to be like a 35 minute game guy 
at this rate. You know, Joe Harris does not really look great so far. LaMarcus Aldridge has already taken nights off to rest. So is Paul Millsap. Um, you know, I, I think Blake, Blake Griffin like had like a mini resurgence last year and, and that maybe boosted his stock to a, to an unrealistic level. But like if Harden's off the floor, you're looking at a lineup of Javon Carter, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and like Nicholas Claxton. Um, you know, I, I think the impact of guys like Aldridge and Millsap was wildly overrated. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, are you, what's your level of concern with like James Harden just being in a different stage of his career at this point? Like offensively, I, I'm not that concerned. I, I see. I saw a lot on Twitter yesterday about you know not necessarily his his age or him being in shape, but like adjusting to the new foul rules. Like is James Harden no longer elite when he can't bait the referees? I'm not quite ready for that. I mean, if we get 15 games well, into the year and he's turning it over like six times a game and, and just kind of seems lost, then I'll be concerned. But it's definitely been shaky. I don't know. The, the Nets have, have not looked nearly as as confident or or deep as I thought they would. I just think he looks like he's in a different place physically. Like, I, I, like he kind of looks like, um, you know, when like Jason Kidd kind of like lost a step and became just kind of more of like a, you know, slower player who just really had to get by on, um, you know, knowledge and, and craftiness and stuff like that. I, I just, yeah. Harden just sort of, he doesn't look like he has, the ability to really get by anyone um and so it's just kind of you know step back step back threes yep. and you know that he'll still be great for fantasy i just don't know if right he's gonna be like clear number two player great like i think he might be more kind of like middle of the first round great this year mm-hmm. yeah I, I, yeah if you frame it that way i think that's totally fair yeah I, like it, you know no longer like this insane advantage in three categories, you know, where he's like giving you 36 points a game and 12 free throws and six threes. Like those days, yeah, could maybe be behind him. Um, I mean, to me, that's it's the turnovers and like the decision-making just seemed to not really be there. And it's not like he's always been like, he's been fairly careless in the past. But um, yeah, like you said, I mean, that Milwaukee game, especially, like I, I thought he had a couple nice blow early on. And then the rest of the game, it was just dribble, 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 step back. And they were coming up short over and over um, I, I don't think that's really a sustainable way to play offense. Um, I, don't, I mean, do you think having Kyrie back would, would like unlock something for him? Because I don't feel like Harden looked like this at all last year. Like I have a hard time believing over the course of three or four months, he's just become a noticeably worse player. Yeah, I think I think having Kyrie back would be huge because I think the like the spacing is just a little different. Like when it's Durant and Harden as the only offensive players that you care about at all out there, it just kind of gets crowded. Um, And, you know, if you got Kyrie out there, it just gives Harden so much more space, I think, to operate because you have two guys that are off ball that their defenders just can't leave them at all. And Mm -hmm. if you have Patty Mills out there, then you have maybe three guys and then he he has a little bit more room. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, this is still going to be a team that wins a, a ton of games, but um, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't a top two seed, if Kyrie doesn't no. come back, like they could, they could be a top four seed, but like Atlanta looks really good. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just a, there's a lot of good teams in these. Yeah. I will say, you know, with the caveat, of course, that it's two or three games played for every team. I would say both conferences look more wide open than a lot of people thought, you know, when you check the odds and, you know, Brooklyn is by far the favorite in the East and the Lakers are by far the favorite in the West. And, and part of that is there's just not a clear hierarchy. There's kind of this, you know, there's tiers, I guess, of where you say like, if it's not the Lakers, I could see it being, you know, these four or five other teams, but it's hard to pick which one. I, I feel even more like that now. And and I, I don't know that teams like, you know, Memphis and Charlotte are all of a sudden like in the title conversation, but I think teams like Miami, Atlanta, um, you know, even Philly, depending on what happens there, like those, I feel like those teams can feel like they're at least in it a little bit more. Like it, do, it doesn't really seem like it's Brooklyn and Milwaukee and then this massive, massive golf to the rest of the league. Although we haven't really seen Milwaukee at full strength. You know, Drew Holiday's played like 30 minutes. Brooke Lopez is already out. You know, the, their bench has been decimated. I, I do think there's a chance that when Milwaukee gets fully healthy, you know, they're going to be the clear cut best regular season team in the East. Right. Yeah, I think. I think at full strength, they are still the, the best team. Um, but, yeah, we, we haven't really seen that yet. I mean, I, Giannis has looked 
really, really good as a, as a shooter so far. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely promising. Yeah. I'm willing to throw out that Miami game where they were without like six contributors. And I mean, that game, I think it was what, 29 to five to start the game. And you know, you're, you're on the road. Like that was, that was just over before it started. And I don't, I don't think that's, that wasn't really an alarm bell game for me at all. I think that was a, a, injury riddled team combined with a, a rough start that could happen to anybody. And you're just, you know, you're just not going to push through to try to make that look more respectable. You know, they, they ended up losing the game by, I think like what, 42, something like that, 40, 40 something. So it looks like really bad on, on paper, but I don't know. Milwaukee could have made that closer. I think if they wanted that, that was not really a panic game for me, but yeah, like you said, with Giannis, I mean, the three point shot, he's what three of nine, so far on the year, which is okay. I mean, if he can, if he can hover around like 35%, that, that is fantastic. We'll see how that goes long-term, but I mean, the free throw shooting has been at least mildly improved. He's at 70.4% right now, but just the look of the jump shot, which we got a preview of in that preseason game. I think it was against Utah where all of a sudden he's just like looking like, you know, kind of a poor man's Kevin Durant in, in terms of the confidence he was shooting with. Um, even if the numbers aren't like this massive jump, it, it does seem like he is way more confident. Yeah, the mid-ranger, like from from like 12 to to 16 feet, kind of. Yeah. He's just looking like money. You know, like that's like a shot that you want him to take. And if, mm-hmm. if that's the case, then that's that's big time trouble. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by Vivid Seats. Preseason basketball has wrapped up, and we're ready for the regular season to tip off this week. Live events are making a comeback, and there's no better place to be then Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NBA tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels good to say. Even better, Vivid Seats just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every single fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping with Vivid Seats. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show that everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com, that's V-I-V-I-D, S-E-A-T-S, VividSeats.com, or download the Vivid Seats app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. The new NBA season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy basketball. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being offered shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of basketball season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo will have a Friday main contest as well as single game contest all season long. Play in a single game contest of your choice throughout the week, then join our Friday main contest to compete for our largest cash prize. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome to get started. All right, I'm going to cede the floor to you to talk about one or both of these topics. One, the 2-0 Minnesota Timberwolves, led by Jaden McDaniels. Uh, and two, Jalen Green going off for one of the more impressive rookie performances uh, I've seen. I, I don't know if you were able to catch that one last night. It was on NBA TV. Um, 30 points, four rebounds, three assists, two blocks, a steal, eight of 10 from three and at least three dunks that, that made me yelp a little bit on my couch. Yeah. Well, um, I'll just, I'll start with that. I mean, like, yeah, it's been, it's been weird rostering Jalen green this year because watching this Rockets team, at least through the first two games, it was just kind of like, I mean, this is a complete tire fire already. Like that no one really knows what they're doing at all. Like, everyone's just kind of out to get their own stats um Jalen Green included but like you know he a lot of plays where it's just like okay that guy was wide open but somebody shot it uh, with two guys on him instead and Kevin Porter um, has an eight turnover and a nine turnover game already yeah no Kevin I texted you I texted you less than a minute into the first game of the season (laughs) uh with a negative Kevin Porter evaluation um, yeah, I, I thought he had gotten hurt or something. I'm like scrambling to check my phone. Like, I'm like, the game started 44 <laughs> seconds ago. Like, what has happened? He had just two of the worst turnovers you'll ever see um, through their first, like, three possessions of that game. Um, so, 
I mean, as much as I like the Hornets are a very fun team to watch. The Rockets, like they have these fun players in theory, but they're not really a fun team to watch because they just do so much stupid stuff. Um, but yeah, Jalen Green in his third game, like that was kind of what you wanted to see. Obviously, he's not going to shoot 80% from three uh, most nights. But yeah, I mean, the the transition dunks were great. Um, you know, he just kind of showing that ability to just get red hot from outside. Uh, so that was exactly what you want to see. And uh, the Timberwolves have looked um, like I would absolutely flip my I was kind of on the fence about taking their over or their under in the preseason. And I think you talked me out of going over by just the simple logic that it's the Timberwolves. But um, I kind of think this like I don't think this core is necessarily going to go to like a conference finals or anything like that. But I think this—it's at least a fun young core, and you know I think they could—they could finish around 500 this year, which I think would be a huge win for them. I just think that they've got this kind of weird uh, new defensive intensity that I just haven't seen with a Carl Anthony Towns team before. And Jade McDaniel's is obviously a huge part of that. Um, Josh Okogi. Uh, I think just having like Patrick Beverly around has been been big for their defensive intensity, and uh, like Anthony Edwards, the the Edwards Towns Russell trio offensively is awesome, and then you have these role players who are who are bringing it defensively. So um, it's it's about as good a time to be a Timberwolves fan as as you could have <laughs> had in the last like decade or so. I think since since '04, I believe is when they made that Western Conference Finals run. Um, yeah, I mean, they're again, early on, they've only played two games. One of them was that blowout against Houston, but they're, they're fifth in net rating. They're second in defense. Um, and the offense really hasn't even been all that great. They're in the bottom 10 in terms of offensive rating so far, they are second in pace and, and they should be, I feel like with the team that they have, like that is exactly what you want to be doing. Ironically, the Lakers are somehow first in pace right now that the run and gun <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers led by Carmelo Anthony, um, who I think for right now, it's a three-horse race between the most exciting young players to watch in the league. Actually, four. I would say LaMelo, Jalen Green, just based off of last night, he's jumped into that conversation. LaMelo, Jalen Green, John Morant, and Anthony Edwards are are must-see TV for me already. Yeah, I think that's a really good list. Um, Those four teams, just by those four guys being on those teams, like you're you're tuning in. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think – like John Morant's obviously like a, a little bit ahead of those guys in terms of impacting winning. Um, but I mean, those guys, you know, there's going to be a lot of all-star appearances among those four. I was getting some, and please, you know, feel free to laugh or correct me if I'm wrong on this right away. I, I was getting some kind of like Iverson vibes from John Morant last night and, and they're, they're different players. Like Morant is obviously, he's a little bit taller, uh, but very similar body types in, in terms of how slender they are. Um, you know, Morant, I think a little bit more of an explosive athlete. Iverson was, was like that, but was, was short enough that you don't, re- you don't remember a lot of like iconic Iverson dunks, whereas Morant is, is like routinely dunking in traffic. But the way that those guys like set up moves and are just able to like slither around everybody and, and always get their shot off no matter what. Um, I don't know that that's the guy that, that came to mind with Morant. And there's, there are, there are so few star point guards that are like that skinny and that athletic. Like they're, you know, it's, it's hard to really draw Iverson comparisons, I think, to too many guys. Yeah, um, I totally see what you're going for there. Uh, I even heard like Nate Duncan compared one of his layups to MJ, which I which I totally get. I mean, like that's the type of athlete Morant is. Yes. Like for I mean, Jordan was taller, uh, probably like three inches taller, but um, just being that level of athlete uh, in that small of a package. Um, I mean. Morant's a better passer than AI or MJ, like by by quite a quite a bit. Um, oh, his yeah. vision, like he he just gets his guys. Like, does any point guard get his big men more just easy dunks than John Morant by just drawing like the entire defense and then just dumping it off? I, I can confirm that the Lakers were struggling uh, to defend the Grizzlies pick and roll last night. So no, I mean, obviously <laughs> watching like Harden just set up Nick Claxton over and over for dunks. Like that's, that's True. what comes to mind. I mean, obviously the elite guys can do it. Um, but no, he's, I, I think he's become underrated as a passer. It's like, you see the scoring totals, you see the dunks. He's also averaging eight assists per game already. 
and I actually think that'll maybe go up. Um, yeah. I mean, he's because t- defenses are just going to have no choice but to just load up on him because he can just get by anyone. Um, yeah. he, could he could he get by off night? Off who? Off night. Uh, Davion Mitchell. That's, oh, God. that's his nickname. <laughs> that's actually that is but, a great nickname. I forgot about that. The home, the he, home he played really well last night too. The home announcers already just refer to him as Off Night. Like, oh, another great play by Off Night. Like, it's tough. It's <laughs> At first, I thought the audio cut out and you were talking about Brandon Knight. I was like, I, I think he could no. get by him. I don't know. I haven't really seen Brandon Knight <laughs> in a while. I, I will I will also confirm that Kent Bazemore was struggling to contain him last night. You're never going <laughs> to believe it. Uh, Kent, Kent disagreed with some of the calls that went against him uh, late in that game, including a, just like an egregious uh, foul on a three-pointer late um, and, and we should say I mean, if you watch the end of that game like Morant it actually it really sucks it was a, it was a really fun game he had 40 and then he missed what would have been the game tying free throw with like a second left um, and that, that ended up handing the Lakers the win we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Real quickly, before we, we hit a, a couple quick topics to end, we have not talked about Evan Mobley, who I think has, on the whole, probably been the most uh, impressive of all the rookies so far. We're yet to see Kay Cunningham. Uh, Chris Duarte had that big game uh, in the opener, has cooled off a little bit since then. But three games in now for Evan Mobley, 15.7 points, 8.3 rebounds, three assists, 1.3 steals, 2.3 blocks. Yeah, no, he looks he looks awesome. Um, you know, I'd, I'd throw Scotty Barnes into that mix too, in terms of just impressive rookies, but, uh, Mobley, yeah, I mean, he, you know, this was a loaded, a loaded draft. I mean, that's, we kept talking about that for a reason. So to get a guy like that at three, I mean, that's pretty rare. Um, I still don't know what they were doing. Um, basically ensuring that, like he has to play the four in, in order for their hundred million dollar center to also be on the court uh, over these next four to five years. But, um, you know, I mean, they, they definitely hit on that one. I mean, like he's, he's going to be a, I mean, he looks like he's destined to be like one of the best big men in the league for like a six year stretch. Um, especially as he continues to kind of add muscle. Um, yeah. He's already just able to do a lot of stuff that most big men can't do. Um, I mean, I think the, the three point shot will come around to the point where he can be a legitimate stretch option. So, um, yeah, extremely impressed with him. I mean, really impressed with pretty much every rookie of note, 
I think Jalen Suggs is maybe uh, further behind than yeah. a lot of people thought he would be. Uh, but, you know, this is really shaping up to be a really strong rookie class. Yeah, Suggs is, has not been where I thought he would. I, I thought he would be, you know, kind of instant. Like, can't believe this guy is as good as he is right away. Um, and we started to see some some shades in the preseason that that might not really be the case. Uh, and that's carried over so far. I mean, not a rookie, but Cole Anthony last night, 29 points, 16 boards, eight assists, one steal, had five threes. Um, he, he's looked a lot better than I expected. I, 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 I kind of thought Suggs would maybe be the guy that they would roll with, um, you know, with maybe a veteran like Gary Harris or Terrence Ross at the two, and then Cole Anthony kind of being the sixth man. But I think it, like, right now they've started Suggs and Anthony together because Gary Harris hasn't played. But I, I think whenever Harris comes back, I, I would not be surprised if Suggs is the one who ends up being sent to the bench. Yeah, that could happen. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's a good sort of reminder of how different the college game is from the NBA yep. game. Um, like Jalen Suggs, when he was playing at Gonzaga, was almost always the best athlete on the court and was able to just make plays like in the in transition and stuff like that um, with ease. And now he's just kind of like a decent athlete, like maybe an average mm-hmm. athlete by point guard standards. So, um, and I mean, it, it's a horrible situation to be in. Like the Magic are going to lose a ton of games this year, but um you would at least think that he would be able to put up uh, good stats on this bad team. And it, it might not even be the case as a rookie. All right. Where are we at on Russell Westbrook with the Lakers? Nine turnovers <laughs> last night. Uh, did, did have 13 assists in that game. Did have four steals, uh, seven rebounds, 13 points, but nine turnovers in 37 minutes uh, of that game against Memphis. It's looked about as clunky as I think we expected it to look. Yeah, I mean, no triple doubles through three games, so he hasn't no. had a single good game yet. Um, nope, not yet. <laughs> he almost he flirted with a quadruple double if you count the turnovers last night. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, you know I don't know. It's uh, it, I, it's kind of like they're playing. They're voluntarily just going to play out the season with one hand tied behind their back because yep. they I think are just when they're at full strength, like when they get these injured guys back, I think it'll be very clear that they will be a better team when he's off the court than on the court, yet they have to play him. So I don't know. Uh, I I don't know how this is going to, I think I know how it's going to end, but I just don't know how bad it's going to get on the way there. I I don't know. What, What do you think? You're the one who watches all these Lakers games. Yeah. Th- thank you for saying that. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a soldier uh, getting through these games. So, so Russ is minus 23 plus four minus eight uh, in their three games so far. I, th- I mean, the, the Warriors game was, was an abomination. I think a lot of people watched that one. Um, that's, that's mostly how it's looked. I mean, he, he looked okay in the first half uh, last night against Memphis, but it's, he just doesn't know what to do. He's dribbling like horizontally a lot of the time, um, just kind of like probing, but the defense is so backed off that he's not really probing. Like he's moving toward the basket, but there's no defender there because he's playing so far off. Um, I, I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't know that there's a a solution in terms of like, all right, once he once he plays 15, 20 games, it'll start to look better. Like, you know, we've seen LeBron and, and other like superstar laden teams need some time to mesh, but I don't think there is such a thing with meshing with Westbrook. You know, like it's clashing of styles, no matter who you put next to him. Like he's not going to assimilate much in the same way that LeBron is not going to assimilate. The problem is LeBron is so good that you don't necessarily want him to like everyone has to assimilate to LeBron because when the ball is in his hands, that's when the best decisions are going to be made. And I, I just, I don't know what Russell Westbrook, you know, quote unquote, taking a backseat looks like because he can't just, you know, he can't do Dwayne Wade and, and go every other and, you know, subside on cuts to the basket and, and, you know, mid range jumpers and catch and shoot. Like those aren't really options for him. So I don't, I don't really know what the end game is. I, I think, like you said, they're just going to have to, you know, they're, they're, they're unnecessarily raising their own difficulty level for no reason. I, I think having KCP and Buddy Heald on this team would make this a really, really fun, high-scoring, like perfectly built team around LeBron. Um, and for some reason, you GM LeBron had to step in and, and get the guy who's like the worst superstar fit next to him possible. Yeah. Um... I mean, if you just had AD, LeBron, and 
you know, three of those just Buddy Heel, KCP, Danny Green type of guys. Like yep. they could even be like as old as as Danny Green. Like if you just had like three of those guys around LeBron and AD, they might be the title favorites right now. Those are always the teams that have succeeded and won the most games <laughs> in the regular season with LeBron. Right. It's always it's uh, the it's the LeBron just slinging it around to open shooter A, open shooter B, and and that's how they pile up points. I I, I don't understand like the the self delusion that LeBron is under, even like trying to even, bring in guys like like Westbrook. Even if you had three of those guys in the Buddy Heel mold, like even like the Doug McDermott mold, where it's just it's only three. Right. And it's not much D at all. You're still in a much better spot because AD and LeBron defensively in the playoffs can lift a unit up like that. Whereas if you just don't have that shooting, it right. just makes it so, so much tougher. Right. I, I always think back to like that team that had Channing Fry, Kyle Korver, like those guys were three only. They were offering nothing else. They were not passers. They were not defenders. And that team would just pile up points and, when they needed to buckle down, they could. And obviously they ran into the Warriors and, and that was kind of it. But that team like breezed through the regular season, breezed through the Eastern Conference. Nobody was touching them. Um, and I just, I, I don't know that I believe that even though Russ, Russell Westbrook is far more talented than Buddy Heald or DeMar DeRozan or whoever the other option would have been, I, I don't I don't know what the argument is that this team has a higher ceiling in like a final series with Russell Westbrook um, than, you know, with three competent shooters instead. Like what I, what is... All of a sudden, you fast forward to the finals, and he's just going to be good. All of a sudden, like I don't, I don't understand that argument. I don't even know if he is more talented than Buddy Heald. Like he's okay. he's a ten times worse shooter, and like, how is he their worst defender? Uh, is he like the yes. worst defender on the list? Yeah, league? yeah. I mean, LeBron, LeBron has had a defensive renaissance. Um, he still falls asleep every now and then. There was there was one clip from the weekend in that Suns game that that made him look not so great, but he's still a, a well above average defender. Yeah, I think I think he is. I mean, if Bazemore is a guy that you're, you're throwing on Morant, um, so, know, I think everyone like else that, at least has a reputation as a good defender. So if you're the worst defender on the team and the worst shooter on the team, and you're the guy who turns the ball over the most, like what what's he supposed to be good at at this point? Right. Well, that that's what I'm saying. Like, I there seems to be this thing of like you just need you just need to accumulate talent. You know, if you're going to win a final series, you just have to have the talent and you'll figure it out. Like. I, yeah, I don't know what that looks like. If you can't figure it out in the regular season, I don't see that magically, you know, happening in the playoffs. And, and we, the other thing is we've seen Westbrook, quote unquote, figure it out in Houston and in, in Washington, like midway through the year, it went from disastrous to like, OK, this can kind of work. You know, last year, him and Deal had that pretty nice run um, you know, where all of a sudden he's back on the triple doubles and both guys are playing well. Like, I, I do think the Lakers could maybe get to that point. But what happens when you get to a playoff series every year with him? You know, when, when you have to, when you play that, seven times in a row it just becomes easier and easier to to get a read on how to stop it you also like you had i think teams are kind of playing russian roulette like with his contract where like yep. you know the, the thunder were able to trade him for value the rockets were able to trade him and get a first rounder back uh the the wizards were able to trade him for value and then now I think the Lakers might just be the team stuck with him that is una unable to trade him um, for anything, really. Um, yeah. Like, it's going to be a true albatross contract. Yeah, well, I've, I've heard that argument, too, that, like, oh, if it doesn't work, they'll cut bait just like they did with Dwayne Wade in Cleveland or just like they did with Isaiah Thomas. And, like, those were vastly different situations. Like, you're not you, – you can't just cut bait on a guy with that kind of money left. Like, what – I mean, what team is looking to reacquire Russell Westbrook? The Lakers like don't even have picks that they could send out in that deal. Those are all in New Orleans now. I mean, some of them are in Washington. Um, like, it, unless you're like sending him back to the Thunder for what would be like the saddest reunion of all time. Um, and like, and, and in, even in a situation like that, like you're not bringing back any kind of difference maker. It would it would be a literal cut bait where the the idea is just to get him off the roster, not to turn him into something more valuable. Yeah, I just I don't see a, a suitor, so like yeah. I think that they just kind of have to deal with it. All right, I want to finish out with the the four teams that are winless heading into Monday night: OKC, New Orleans, Detroit, and the Clippers. Uh, the, the Clippers are in a different tier than those other three. Uh, they've had a couple close games that didn't go their way. I, I think they'll be just fine. Paul George has looked great so far. Um, OKC has looked disastrous like they, they you know they're they're on another level you know even from a team like houston like we mentioned earlier like houston's blowing out okc that's not a good sign 
Uh, New Orleans, unsurprisingly, hasn't looked great. They're 0-3. Detroit, also 0-3. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like New Orleans is a team that I don't really want to pile on, but at the same time, I do because I feel like they deserve it. Um, we were we were hot on the under, and this was before we knew anything about Zion Williamson injuries. We were locking up the under. I feel really, really good. I think that number closed at what, like 36 and a half, 37 and a half? Well, I know it opened at 39 and a half, and I think you can already cash that ticket if you if you got that yeah. one. Like you can put that one in your drawer and just wait till the end of the season. Um, and, I mean, Zion's gonna be hyped to come back and help this team. <laughs> He can't, he can't wait to come back. I mean, you can tell he's just, you know, he's just doing everything he can to get in shape and, and help this team. Um, I mean, that, yeah, they're, that's kind of the saddest situation in the league, I think, this year. Um, hopefully we don't have to kind of keep piling on them throughout the season. But, um, you know, I'm getting, like, text messages from, like, buddies who kind of only casually follow the NBA about how big Zion looks. Um, so, I mean, it's, yeah. that's, that's, you know it's that's an issue. I, I honestly think I, I've told you this before, and I think I've maybe even said it on the pod. Like, I, I seriously think he peaked as a basketball player when he was a freshman at, at Duke. Like, I think that that is the best we're ever going to see Zion Williamson look as a basketball player. Yeah. Which is really kind of sad. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to think there. I, I don't think that's a bad take necessarily. I, I think that's going to become a more and more popular take, in fact. But I, I, like, is, how much of it is like, do you blame either the Pelicans or him not wanting to be on the Pelicans? Like, if he's if he's with the Knicks, like, is he all of a sudden going to flip the switch and become this like super dedicated guy who's you know working out eight hours a day and sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber? Like, I don't I don't just don't know if he even has that in him. You know, I, I think he is a guy that's certainly been able to be the one of the best players in the world seemingly without trying all that much throughout his career. And I think it's, you know, being in New Orleans and being in the situation where the team is just bending the knee to you and your stepdad at every turn. Like, I, I feel like they, they've they already kind of botched the, like instilling a work ethic, uh, right. you know, portion of the player development. And I think, you know, another team or another regime, you know, could maybe take another swing at that. Like, it's not like, I don't think, it's not like a Kwame Brown situation where, you know, this guy doesn't like basketball. I, I think he doesn't like his situation. And because of that, is not motivated to be in the best shape possible or even in passable shape. Well, I think it's just a, it's going to have kind of a snowballing effect because yeah. he is so big that he's just going to keep getting hurt. Like, unless he puts in the time to like get into really good shape, he's not going to stay healthy enough to stay in good shape. Like he, if, right. if he's just always dealing with these lower body injuries it's hard to stay in shape. I mean, you have to be working extremely hard with your diet and, and all that stuff um, on top of everything else. So I just, I really worry about it. I mean, like I, I hope like in four years, we're not, there's not some sort of, Oh, Zion's like rededicating himself after a bunch of kind of um, disappointing showing stuff like that. I mean, I could kind of see it headed that way, but um, yeah, I mean, it, this is, this is a depressing conversation, but I mean, like, are, are the Pistons and the Thunder like actually upset with how their seasons have gone so far? Like, I oh, think the Thunder, like, obviously, the, the Pelicans, like, heads are going to roll um, if things stay on this trajectory. But you know, if you're the Thunder, you definitely want to make sure you got a shot at a top two or three pick. And if you're the Pistons, you certainly need more talent than what you have on the roster already. So getting another top three pick would be great for them too. Yeah. I mean, Detroit, it's like, I, I think you want to show some more signs. You know, I think you, you, you'd like, like to have a nice run where you win six out of eight and you can feel good about the direction you're moving, but ultimately you want to finish in the bottom five. Okay. See, I think it's fine if they're, if they're the first team to go 0 and 82, like that's totally cool with them. Well, but I, um, I think the Pistons at least have like Kate Cunningham hasn't played a game yet. Um, Right. So like sort of banking these losses while he's out, I think is probably a good thing. Um, like, I don't know yeah. how much you've looked at the upcoming draft class, but um, I'm taking a I'm, I'm, I'm a big Paolo Banchero fan and mm -hmm. uh, I'm also a big Jaden Hardy fan. Uh, oh yeah. And so like, I think, you know, getting a top three pick, in this year's draft is going to be pretty huge. I think it's going to fall off pretty yeah. quickly after the, the top three or so. So um, 
obviously the, both the Thunder and the Pistons. Like the the Pistons, like you add one more top three pick to this, and you, you all of a sudden you have Cunningham, Bay, uh, Stewart, and and another top three type of guy. All of a sudden you you're kind of cooking. And Josh Jackson, right? I mean another <laughs> true, yeah. top top four pick uh, in the past. <laughs> how maybe maybe this has already happened for you, but like how close are you to saying that? You'd rather have Morant over Williamson. Oh, going oh, like is that is that already made up? Yeah, that's that's not even close. I, okay, see, I, in my mind, I couldn't I couldn't decide if that was really a hot take or not, and it's kind of a loaded I, question because Morant's been so good and Zion hasn't played. But I still think at the end of last season, it was still clearly Zion. I think the better question right now is Morant or Lamelo. Ooh, ooh. So Zion is is not even in that discussion. Well, I just like no, I, not for me. I mean, I, you know, availability is huge, but like unlike like Joel Embiid, he can be like an MVP when he's healthy. So like the fact that you know he's going to miss 20 games, um, you know, you kind of live with it. But Zion is such an extreme negative defensively, and he doesn't stretch the floor that he's just, he's a really challenging player to build around. Like you, you have to have like the perfect center next to him and you have to have all this shooting and defense next to him in order for it to all work. And I just think you know, like John Morant, like that's, that's super easy to build around. Yeah. I, I can't remember there being a, a more quicker or more like, I guess like anointing as like a superstar than with Zion who's everywhere despite playing in like 60 career NBA games like I was a little surprised he didn't make the NBA 75 like just snuck him on there at the end (laughs) (laughs) it wouldn't it wouldn't have been that shocking like the NBA wants Zion to be really good really really badly um but yeah I mean it's a fair it's certainly a fair debate and yeah I don't think you'd be wrong to say you'd rather have Jot right he's definitely the safer option I mean I, I think there's still a world in which Zion gets things turned around and and this is like somewhat of a silly discussion in a few years but if you if you had to you know, if you had to stake your job or your reputation on it, I, I think it's hard not to say Morant right now. Lamelo versus Morant is really interesting. I think I would go Lamelo because of the size and the shooting, and he's two years younger. Uh, but there's no, there's not really a wrong answer right now with how both those guys are playing. Yeah, I mean they're they're so different to me, as just the way they kind of carry themselves. Um, like Lamelo, it always looks like he's just kind of really sort of in chill mode like even when he's doing really impressive things whereas John Morant it's he's kind of got that um sort of like young Russell Westbrook level like intensity and like passion and stuff like that and so they're they're just extremely different players to watch um you know I think I think Lamelo's size is is a huge piece um but I mean, he can look—he can look pretty disinterested defensively. So um, I don't know. It, I think Jaws may be safer, and Lamelo might have a higher ceiling. I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think there are—I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say like personality concerns, but like that. There's that bizarre like feature story in GQ over the summer <laughs> where Lamelo, like, I think he like truly believes he's an alien. Um, you know, I I think Morant is like Morant is like the the mentality that you want in any young player, right? Where I, I think he's like willing to do whatever it takes. He's willing to even even if he doesn't have the body to be a great defender, you're never going to worry about the effort. You're never going to worry about the conditioning, things like that. I mean, even last night, you know, a, after missing that that crushing free throw to, to to basically seal the loss for Memphis, you know, he's pounding his chest saying, "That's on me. That's my bad." Um, I, I think he's like a, a dream scenario from that perspective, uh, and that's another thing I think that makes him different from Zion. Not, not that Zion's a bad guy whatsoever, but Zion kind of seems content to just like chill for, for, you know, the first two and a half years of his career. Um, whereas I, th- I think it would drive a lot of players crazy to, to have only played in like, you know, half of their games so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, Zion seems, it, it's not a, it's not a perfect, I mean, it, it, there's, he's kind of like got the Kawhi baggage without the Kawhi work ethic like of just you know right. I, I don't know I mean you're you have that's the chance to go down as one of the best NBA players of all time and you're already not staying in shape like that's just it's kind of concerning yeah 
Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's the thing with Kawhi. It's like it was always it was tough to like really get upset with Kawhi because like for as frustrating as some of the load management stuff was and the way he was kind of holding these teams hostage. It was like when that guy was ready, he was in shape. He was you know going to go as hard as anybody. Um, and with Zion, there just seems to be kind of a disconnect as far as like, you know, it's one thing if you're upset with your organization or, or how they're handling things. But when you when you're on the court and ready to go, you, you can't show up 25 pounds heavier than you were at the end of last year. No. Yeah. All right, man. Um, glad we hit all that stuff. Uh, we'll have more and more context as the season goes on. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to chatting with you every Monday. I'll be back with Alex on Wednesday. We'll be sprinkling in some guest appearances throughout the year as well. And of course, Alex, Ken and Shannon will be coming to you on Fridays. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday will be the schedule this season. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.